0: brave men and women in the military. Before we begin the lesson, I would like to go to the Lord in prayer as well. Heavenly Father, we come this morning with humility, with grateful hearts for your goodness and your mercy to us. Thank you for your patience and your long-suffering. Thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation, and we thank you, Lord, that you don't cast us off when we mess up and and make mistakes we thank you for your holy word we thank you for this beautiful building that we have we're eager to get back in here together and to worship as a church family and we pray father that that would be soon to come please remember this uh, corona pandemic father we do pray that uh, your hand be over the doctors and nurses the first responders and May your grace and mercy be to those who have contracted uh, this disease. We do pray also, Father, for your guidance over our president and all the doctors, the leadership that is trying to handle this appropriately. We praise you. We thank you, Father. Uh, Please remember a multitude of prayer requests concerning lost family, friends, neighbors, and loved ones. Grant us the grace to continue in prayer for them, Father, and to not give up. In Jesus' name we pray and give God the glory this morning, and amen. We're in the book of Philippians this morning, and in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and verses 13 through 15, the title of today's lesson is Yield. Uh, we've been talking about relationships in this uh, study. We'll have one more lesson after this one. And we think about yield. What what comes to mind? My first thought was uh, getting up on 70 here off of South Limestone Street. You know you have to yield to merge into the traffic right there. Another, uh, just think about in the city here where you get on and off uh, certain streets. There are uh, signs up there for us to yield and to give someone else the right-of-way. And uh, you think about if you don't yield, well, what are some of the consequences? Uh, There could be a serious accident. I know if you don't yield getting up there on 70, you might get smashed. Uh, Sometimes we have to prefer someone else before ourselves. Just slow down a little bit and let someone else have have the right of way. In yielding to this morning, let's consider being yielded to God. He deserves our yieldedness as well. We don't need to push on and push ahead, but to slow our role, so to speak, and to yield to God's will and way this morning. The point of this lesson today is humbly place the needs of others before your own. Humility is a character trait that many people equate with weakness. They wrongly equate humility with being a doormat or being passive and totally pliable. That idea of humility allows one person to be domineering or dictatorial, and the other person simply to be treated as an object. The book of Philippians paints a far better picture of humility, and it points us to Jesus to see just how humility is to be carried out. The setting here is uh, tradition holds that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi around AD 61 or 62 while he was under house arrest in Rome awaiting his first trial before the emperor. Paul wrote to thank the Philippians for the gift they had sent him through their messenger Epaphroditus. Paul also wrote to inform the church of his circumstances and to explain why he was sending Epaphroditus back home early. Epaphroditus got ill while in Rome, and he wanted to come home. So Paul was gracious enough to to send him uh, on back home. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. The way this is written here is not if there is, but it is written is because there is. Because there is consolation in Christ. Because there is comfort in love. Because there is fellowship of the Spirit. That's not written uh, the way that it sounds it has a different meaning verse 2 tells us to fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. These are instructions for the Philippian believers on how to live a Christian life, and Jesus is the ultimate example of how we do that, and Paul elaborates here in how, how we do that. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus to enable us. In verse five, it tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse six, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, And took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now we're going to go on up here, same chapter, to verses 13 through 15. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's what Jesus wants us to do this morning. He wants us to be a light in this dark world and how dark it is. I have a study book here I want to go to here. It kind of elaborates on these verses. I don't have a photographic memory, and I read and study these things, but I'm often at a loss to recall and restate them without referencing these books. I thank you for your patience uh, with that. This chapter here consists principally of exhortations relating to the performance of the various duties of believers and the fact that we should exhibit Christian virtues in all that we do. Paul exhorts the believers in Philippi to live in such a way that he may have joy in their testimony. Paul wants to see him do well in this walk of faith. He wants them to be unified and to have fellowship one with another, doing all things in brotherly love and unity rather than through strife or vainglory. He admonishes them to be humble. He refers to the Lord Jesus Christ as the example for Christians, specifically referring to Christ's example of humiliation, and points out that believers should be willing to accept the most humble position in the church or community if, by so doing, they could glorify Christ and benefit others. It's not about us this morning. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about him receiving the glory and what takes place in his body, the church. He exhorts the Philippian Christians to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, assuring them that God worked in them when he saved them, and he saved them for his glory. He earnestly pleads with them to avoid discord in the assembly, disputing and murmuring among themselves, and urges them to live blameless lives, walking in dedication and consecration, so that others might know that they are Christians. He assures them that he is deeply interested in their welfare and that he hopes to send Timothy to them again shortly. Paul didn't just begin these churches and walk away and say, well, good luck to you and hope you do well. He had a genuine concern for them, and we should have a genuine concern for each of our brothers and sisters this morning, that if they're struggling in an area, We should exhort them, uh, encourage them in in their journey of faith. Give them a call, pray for them, uh, converse with them, interact with them, and uh, let them know that they're not in this uh, by themselves, but uh, you have the genuine affection of your brothers and sisters that desire to help you as well. Uh, Where it talks about here in this verse first verse, if there be any consolation in Christ, the greatest joy that could come to Paul's heart would be to learn that his children in the faith were conducting themselves as Christians should. The truth set forth here is that believers should live in such a way that through the marvelous grace of God, the consolation of Christ will be at our disposal, especially under affliction and persecution. We should at all times be able to look to him in perfect confidence, knowing that he will console, that he will bind up the broken heart and give comfort and perfect peace, even in the darkest hour of trial and persecution." When you're in the middle of something and it's it's hard, it, it could be depression. It could be something just weighing on you so heavy that you, you feel like giving up or, or giving in. Jesus is there for you. He's waiting to console you if we'll just cry out to him. He is faithful to be there and to help us. Uh, if any comfort and love. Love not only brings comfort, but it brings happiness and contentment as well. Love is full of joy, and by contrast, hatred is a passion that brings misery, heartaches, and disappointments. Hate dwarfs the soul and takes the joy out of living. There's plenty of haters around. They hate everything, they hate you, They hate what you stand for. They hate you because you're happy. Uh, They hate you because you walk around uh, with joy in your heart. People can't stand it. Because they don't have that joy, they hate on you because you do. God is love. Walk in love as Christ hath loved us and has given himself for us. God is love, and love is the very center, soul, and heartbeat of Christianity. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, which since there is fellowship of the Spirit, there can be no real Christian fellowship apart from the Spirit. It is He who leads the believer into paths of righteousness. It is He who leads us to love instead of hate, to be humble instead of being proud. The Holy Spirit leads us to recognize the good works and accomplishments of fellow believers and not be jealous of what they are doing or of the position they hold in the assembly. We rejoice when our brothers and sisters do well or are successful, if they get a promotion. Or get a raise at work we're happy for them if they got a new car we're happy for them we're not jealous because they got something and we didn't the Holy Spirit enables that because our self-centeredness goes contrary to to that all day long we're envious we murmur we complain we think they don't deserve that we deserve that how come we don't have this How come I don't have that? We need to get away from that and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and exhort and help us uh, to walk this uh, Christian life. Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he will be in their midst. He is there in the person of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit has the right of way, there is unity, joy, and peace, and love such as unbelievers know nothing of. No person can love fully until he loves God with all his heart, soul, and strength. Do you love God this morning? Are you so thankful that he saved, you so, saved your soul? Are you thankful this morning from whence he's brought you? Where you were. I, I think back on my life. 20 years ago. To up to this point. is it's, I'm not even the same person. That person died. When I received Jesus Christ. So thankful. Talking here too. About having. Uh, being like minded. Paul. Uh, is pleading here in verse two, that we be like-minded. Paul is pleading for unity and peace among the brethren. To be like-minded is the only way believers can walk in Christian fellowship and brotherly love, thus preventing discord, contention, strife, and jealousy. Like-minded saints will have a harmonious church, one which will promote the gospel, of the grace of God, and accomplish the salvation of souls through the preaching of the gospel, both by word of mouth and by living the gospel in all that we do or say. Having the same love. This study book here blurts it out here. There should be no pets in the church, and no partiality among the brethren. Even though brothers and sisters in Christ may differ on some minor points of doctrine, we should still be united in love. We may agree to disagree on the minor, but in truth, impartial Christian love, they can agree on the major and have the same love for one another. We should love our brothers and sisters equally uh, this morning and not pick and choose favorites. Being of one accord. Scholars tell us the meaning of the Greek word used here is union of the soul. Paul wanted the Philippian Christians to be so closely knit together in love and fellowship that the local church would live as one unit as one soul activated them. Paul wanted this for the Philippian church. Jesus wants that for his church body this morning, that we live in unity with one another, that we be like-minded of one mind, to to think the same thing. They were not to be at difference in their thoughts. He's begging for unity of heart, unity of feeling, unity of plan and purpose. He wants the church at Philippi to be a single unit. And God wants us this morning to be a single unit as well as as the body of Christ. We pray this morning that we would ask God to help group members to learn to yield to him and others in a spirit of humility. Thank God this morning for being a model of humility uh, through Christ. Paul is challenging the church at Philippi this morning to strive for a new level of maturity in relationships. And he encouraged believers to fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Having the same love, being one accord and of one mind. Live in harmony. That is what we just uh, elaborated on here in that study book. If your church is like most, the members will not agree on every single line item in the maybe the budget, but you can agree to stay together, work together, pray together, and serve together. You can choose And there it is, choose. You can choose to get along, or you can choose to be upset and head on out to your car and go home. And that's what some people do, sad to say. I don't see it in this body of believers, but in other church families, we know that there is dissension and splits over the least little things. Jesus doesn't intend that for his church. He intends for us to be unified and to be yielding uh, one to another occasionally. It's not always got to be your way. That Someone else might have a better idea and uh, by all means, give them the floor, so to speak, and, and let, let's try what they've come up with. It may be better than the idea that you maybe had. What circumstances in life tempt us to ignore the instructions in these verses? Well, something comes up, and you don't know what so and so said, and you don't know what he's been doing, and uh, I don't have to take that. It's it would be just using a, a total disregard for what God's word instructs us to do. Is it easy? No, it's not always easy. Is is it commanded? Uh, It is commanded for us to to do these things. So we have to yield to the will of God in order for these things to take place in our lives. Uh, Who makes it possible for us to change and to be yielded, to be like-minded and to be of one accord? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to put self aside and to uh, rely on the Holy Spirit. Now, here's a question here too. Uh, Do we look out for others? Or do we mainly look out for ourselves? If you're like me, you probably have no trouble at all thinking about your own desire of what you want. Most of us don't need an alarm on the phone to remind us to eat, sleep or play. We serve ourselves without thinking. However, we do need frequent promptings to keep our minds focused on others. Last week, we talked about that becoming a habit. It is something that we grow and learn to do and then it becomes a a part of who we are. We're not so self-centered anymore. And it is a process. We need to allow, be yielded to the Holy Spirit, and he will prompt us in our thoughts in, in what we do. Paul uh, offered that prompt here, urging his Philippian friends and us to make the needs of other people as a major focus of our lives. Do, do you see somebody this morning that has a need? Uh, Do you know of someone, through someone else, that maybe their their house burnt down? Uh, Caleb and Kirby knew uh, some people here a while back that their house burnt down. They were asking for clothes uh, for 2X or larger. That's me all day. And uh, Caleb and Kirby both and myself uh, got some clothes together and and gave to this uh, family uh, to help them out. Uh, We heard about it and and acted on it. We didn't just think, well, that's too bad for them. Hopefully somebody will help them out. Uh, Step up. It might be uh, God prompting you uh, to help someone out. When have you benefited from someone who looked out for your interest? Maybe you had a need or something going on and uh, wasn't sure what you were going to do and then all of a sudden, something turns up uh, to benefit you. So we, we see how that that can work that way. Humbly place the needs of others before your own. We're talking about yielding this morning. And i kind of smiled when I read this here. How about uh, going to the grocery? You ever get right there to the checkout line at the same time with someone else? Let's say maybe you've got a couple things in the top part of the basket, maybe a little bit in the bottom, and somebody gets right there that's got so much in their cart that they couldn't get another thing in there. Do you yield to them, or do they yield to you? Sometimes they don't. They just go right on in there, and you can either look for another line or... uh, Stand there and wait on them. Another thing too, I was thinking about yielding. Uh, we live out in the country, and the farmers are very busy right now. There's a lot of big equipment moving around. If you run across that situation, pull over and let them through because they are the, getting together the bread and butter for this nation. And I always yield to our farmers out of respect for them and what they do and the long hours that they they put in. They have a very difficult and dangerous job. And I thought of them when I, I think of yielding. We are to humbly look out for the needs and interests of others. And Jesus is our example of humility and submission with Jesus rather than holding on tightly to the prerogatives of his deity Christ made himself of no reputation the Greek word here means to waive one's prerogatives or rights to something to humble oneself or set aside a worthy reputation Jesus chose to follow God's will to leave heaven to lay aside the glory of God and to take on our humanity. His emptying himself is closely related to his choosing to become a servant. He fully retained his deity, but chose to limit his glory. Even though Christ was deity in human flesh, he humbled himself. Think about who Jesus is this morning. If he can humble himself such as he did and lay aside his glory to come to this earth as a man, he was fully man and fully God. He did not lay aside his deity, but his deity was veiled and was revealed in different degrees uh, depending on what what the needs were at the, that time, the miracles that he performed, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, where he was uh, in his glorified body and allowed uh, Peter, James, and John to see him. Jesus be- chose to become obedient to the Father's will. We must choose to be obedient to the Father's will. The Gospels emphasize that Christ consistently obeyed the Father. He told the disciples that his food was to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. To the Jews who opposed him, he said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father with it, which hath sent me. How often do we think that, man, it's got to be my will this time. It's my turn this time. Do we ever consider seeking the Lord? And Lord, nevertheless, may it be your will to be done, not mine. In Gethsemane, facing the cross, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Jesus was willingly obedient to the point of death. Instead of claiming an elevated status among his people, He chose the path of self-sacrifice. As God's son, Christ was consistently obedient to his heavenly father, even when his obedience resulted in his opponents putting him to death. We are to live this morning with an attitude of humility as we relate to other people with a healthy balanced view of ourselves we neither think too highly nor too little of ourselves there should be a balance there don't uh, beat yourself up all the time I know some people that have absolutely no confidence in any abilities that God has blessed them with. Oh, I can't do that. I, I don't know what to do. It's, it's sad to see someone like that. With that wholesome attitude, we can serve others effectively. Now Paul here has challenged believers to observe Jesus to learn what humility looks like. We are to follow his example. Christ provided a perfect sacrifice for our sins, and he offers a perfect model for navigating our way through personal relationships. It all comes down to attitude. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus is a quintessential example for us. Verses 6 through 11 showed us just how Jesus perfectly demonstrated humility and provided us the ultimate service. He died for us to bring us to God. He made himself of no reputation. Jesus is completely God, but he humbly emptied himself of the glory and privileges that are rightfully his. Jesus taught humility in his parables. In Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 14, he used the parable of a wedding banquet to challenge his followers to humbly select the worst seat in the house. Leave the coveted seat for someone else and consider yourself unworthy of such honor. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted." You can go ahead and take the high seat, and in that parable it talks about that why would you take the high seat and then be asked to move on down lower and think of the shame and the embarrassment, but take the lowly seat or the chance that you may be invited to move on up and to sit at a higher place, is what Jesus is talking about that. How have you seen relationships strengthened through acts of humility? When do we find it particularly difficult to have the same attitude as Jesus? We find it difficult when we think it's got to be our way. It's my way no matter what, and I'm going to push for that. No yielding, but uh, being of a demanding spirit and no concern for anybody else. uh, We're going to do it my way, and if we're not, then I'm out of here. We're not to have that, that attitude. When you start taking Paul's words seriously your relationships will be affected. When you take the focus off yourself and your circumstances, it's not always all about you. And I'm guilty of that as I sit here. I dare not uh, sit here and think that this lesson doesn't step all over my feet this morning. When you look for ways to humbly serve others, when you, start, when you stop complaining and start loving others through service. When you take on the same attitude as Christ. Have an attitude of gratitude. Think about how God has blessed you in every conceivable way. And just because you might be going through a rough time. A rough season here for a moment and I'm not discounting what whatever that may be it may be serious and it may be very painful but try to be thankful this morning try to count your blessings and trust God to see you through uh, whatever it is that you may be going through all your relationships will be affected those same people will discover you have stumbled upon a treasure that they desperately long to find an inner peace and a fixed joy satan is out to rob you of your joy this morning and he'll do it in any way that he possibly can when he comes knocking at the door of your heart let jesus answer the door don't uh think that you're any match for him But try to walk and abide in the holy spirit be yielded this morning unto jesus and for his will to be done and not our will here's just on a little lighter note and i'll stop here in the following arena of your life how can you act without grumbling or arguing How about while driving? Everybody's got that road rage thing occasionally. Somebody pulls out in front of you or uh, doesn't yield. How about hanging out at the sporting event? I'm sure all of us have been to a baseball or a football game where someone has completely embarrassed themselves by the way that they acted. And hopefully it wasn't wasn't us. Spending money. Considering how we're spending it and what we're spending it for. Instead of grumbling or complaining. Maybe something at home is finally worn out and broke down. Don't grumble and complain because you have to replace it. Be thankful that God has maybe provided you with the funding to be able to do it. Humbly place the needs of others before your own. Happy Memorial Day to you. If you have a flag, put it up and be thankful this morning that you live in the greatest country on this planet. Thank you for your patience with me.